0: Welcome to the Poetry Pause podcast from a cowshed in West Wales. And this episode, we're looking at a poetry Christmas in Wales. Now, Emma, do you have memories of poetry in your Christmas past?
1: Yes, I suppose there's the kind of night before Christmas thing that everybody is aware of at Christmas time. It just seems to be somewhere in the back of our memories... And also A Child's Christmas in Wales. Yeah. Um, so...
0: Yeah, I think that's p- probably most kids in Wales grew up with that, didn't yeah. they? Did you ever encounter a poem called Christmas Day in the Workhouse, or was that just my communist mother?
1: No, I didn't, know.
0: Right, that was something we grew up with, Christmas Day in the Workhouse, which is not very cheerful. No, so I can imagine. We're going to spare people um, a listener to that. So... For this episode, we've taken inspiration from a couple of books. Christmas in Wales by Seren Books, which was published in 1997. And then, much more recently, like now, Black Bough Poetry, uh, their Christmas and Winter Editions. This is volume two, or Balthoniaith a Gangen Thee. I haven't got the first volume, but I've got the second volume, and it's great. Lots of different types of poetry in it. And we're going to have a look at a couple of poems from there.
1: Emma,
0: when we were preparing this, you helpfully categorised the Christmas poetry we were looking at into three sections can you tell me how you picked those sections please and what they are
1: okay so the three categories that stood out to me was the kind of folklore and mythology aspects of christmas the kind of pre-christian inner christmasness if you know what okay. i mean the the storytelling the finding celebration in the darkest period of the year and then there was the the flip side of that, so the kind of very much more traditional, the at home day to day celebration, yeah. the, what it's like for families at Christmas, and then there was the kind of use of landscape and imagery and a longing for the spring, I guess, you know, a kind of stillness and examination. So the, those three things for me. Seem to stand out uh, throughout it, and and they all made it for me typically Welsh or had a very Welsh vibe Feeler to yeah. them. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now you're a historian at Naboth Museum, and you quite often hold events and talks on local customs. Have you got anything on this Christmas or?
1: Yes, we've got a talk on Pembrokeshire Christmas customs coming up on the 16th of December.
0: Oh, great. Oh, that sounds good. Yes. Are you going to be able to give us a bit of a sort of trailer of that in this show today?
1: Well, possibly.
0: Good, good, good. Something that I was reminded of when looking at the poetry for this episode was that what poetry is about, really, which is kind of memory, observation, and imagination. Yeah. And I was thinking, I mean, we're not going to do this, and it would be a really nerdy, silly thing to do, but... It's almost interesting to thinking of different poets. How much are they? Is their work memory based? How much is observation based, mm. and how much is imagination based? Yeah. I think we could possibly run that as a, a little theme. Let's start anyway with folklore and the pagan, yeah, and the Mari Lloyd. What do we know about this?
1: Well, it's Welsh tradition but of. Going around houses at Christmas time with a horse's skull decorated with ribbons and things and singing outside people's houses. And there's a kind of question and answer, sing-along.
0: Kind of a bit like, oh, yes, he did. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I think it's called a punko, which sounds like a great name for a band, actually. Absolutely. Uh, so it's this horse's skull and it's decorated... And it looks pretty massive in quite a lot of photos, doesn't it? And it's quite scary or cartoony almost. Is it pagan in its roots? Is it Christian? I think there's a a strand in, is it Samhain or Halloween tradition, of a horse meaning death, isn't there?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of horse folklore in Welsh mythology generally. And kind of an otherworldliness, if you think of Rhiannon and how she's represented as a horse in the other world. And yes. Things. But for me, it's this kind of ever-present death, this skull, but it kind of snaps away and celebrates. It's kind of we find these kind of reasons to celebrate in the dark times and kind of dress it up. and.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like quite a shouty thing. Yeah. And also reading a bit about horses heads I think they've been used as symbols of fertility Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll put outside women's houses as a message of contempt yeah but what it makes me think of more than anything else is the godfather and the horse's head in the bed yeah which is pretty about as sinister as you can get really so in the Christian story Joseph and Mary fled to Egypt didn't they and there is a feast of the ass, I think, that, mm. of course, an ass is different from a horse, but perhaps somewhere along the way it got confused. So there's lots of possibilities in yeah. this horse's head, really. So it's it's like wassailing, isn't yeah. it? Is that how you say it, wassailing? Yeah. yeah. So it's inspired quite a lot of art and culture in Wales, mm. um, artist Clive Hicks, who's Work is fantastic, I think. Did a whole series called The Mare's Tale, based on his dad, Trevor, traumatising by a Mary Lloyd.
1: Mm.
0: And I've just brought along an extract from Vernon Watkins. Right, yes. Who wrote Ballads of the Mary Lloyd. In about nineteen forty one he was a contemporary of Dylan Thomas Dylan Thomas's best friend, yeah, even survived Dylan Thomas being asked to be best man at vin Watkins's wedding and Dylan Thomas not turning up and he was one of the Swans group known as the Cardoma boys. anyway, this poem is fascinating, I think it owes a l- it's long. It owes a lot to T.S. Eliot, I think, or maybe Yeats. But I've just got a really short extract here, so perhaps you will permit me to read. Midnight, 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 hark at the hands of the clock. Hell, curse this house for a badger's holt if we find no man devout. God, singe this doorway, hinge and bolt if you keep our evil out. Long-limbed we hung in the taunting trees and cried in our great thirst. Give us a drink, light breaks our knees. Give, or the house is cursed. Midnight, 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 hark at the hands of the clock. What do you reckon, Mm. Emma?
1: (laughs) This poem encapsulates a lot of the thoughts I had when reading all of the festive poems from Wales, in that it's kind of the relentlessness of darkness Mm,
0: mm.
1: and yet he's created a poem out of it something quite beautiful and which as itself is an act of creation and celebration but it is just relentless dark shadowy presence of something which is in the background the whole time yeah and kind of crosses through all of the poems that we've been looking at Mm. Again, with the tradition, there's a lot of history of ghost stories around Christmas as well, and this dark time of the year, and it, I think it ties into that a little bit. Yes, too.
0: yeah, um, yeah. The sort of other worlds, yeah. isn't it? Uh, now, in the Black Bow edition, uh, the editor is Matthew Mc Smith, and he's written a poem about the Mary Lloyd called Visitation. Can I invite you to read that, please, Ella?
1: Yes. Visitation, Mary Lloyd Horror, a horse skull Bargain its bygone breath with death The shock and shake of shell Flays the air with its ribbon tail Flails, tails, natters, rattles against glass Thumps, clunks, doors ajar Stealing heat to slate sheen street It reels, mocking here's eyes and now's skin Twists out the old tongue. The mare's stare stuns a mortal's grimace. It lays bare a man to his knees, scything. He staggers, siding, sliding out from the hollow white skull, tearing down. The crazed stars are its crown. The skull careers, leers to fears. Death's dance in time's town. Draw it back into its sack. Dumb it down to its dark. Another bargained breath exhaled.
0: Great. You really sense a sort of motion there, don't you, of this kind of Marie-Louise, the sort of crazy procession and everything. I mean, I love the rhythm in The Crazy stars are its crown, The skull careers, lears to fears, Death's dance in time's town. Um, it's a love of words, very befitting a poet from Swansea, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's it's filled with kind of horror, like the kind of scary imagery again. And I can feel the passing of time, you know, in the rhythm. Yes, it's it's trying to catch up with you all the time, death and darkness, and but. It's quite a carnival, a celebration. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is interesting in poetry, I think, how longer lines often give it a kind of momentum. It's got quite long lines in it.
1: And it snaps. I can kind of feel the the snapping jaw of the the skull. Yeah, it's...
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very evocative, isn't it? Okay, well, you know, we could spend all day with the pagans, actually, because there were some other... Christmas traditions in Wales, weren't they? There was kalenig which is going round and asking for money, mm. and in some places they threaten people by squirting water, which sounds a bit of a laugh actually. Yeah. I would have quite liked to do yeah. that. Maybe do a revival. Um, I'll do that
1: this afternoon.
0: Yeah, well, mm. you could stand outside a pub, couldn't you, with a big sort of water jet? Yeah, and the homing, which is a bit sort of sadistic so the last person to get up on Christmas morning gets beaten by holly branches yep. mm. each to their own <laughs> but some people might quite like that and then there's toffee or taffy making
1: yeah that still feels quite familiar doesn't it the kind of yes cooking of sweets and yeah like stir it up yeah.
0: Saturday or whatever they call it or start, yeah. stir it up Sunday yes I do think it's interesting, you know, I keep an eye on what's happening in the media generally, anything with a the Welsh theme. And in the past year, some young women have come to prominence in horror. So there's a film out called St Maud's, which mm. has had wonderful reviews. And the young star of that is called Morvith Clark, And she actually encants in Welsh yeah. in it. She's a nurse, a carer with a you know highly interesting past. And then there's been a film called Censor Made by Prano Bailey Bond, who's a young Welsh woman film director. Mm-hmm. Again, got a lot of acclaim. And I've read some short stories by a writer called Lucy McKnight Hardy. And they're fantastic. They're quite gothic and very stripped back horror stories and she was brought up next to a chapel in a village in West Wales mm. and a lot of the stories are set there so I think there is something in the ether you know an yeah. interest in all this mm. maybe we should start to revive the Maori movement you know Definitely. we get a few Maris and start to sort out the world
1: yeah right <laughs> <laughs>
0: Shall we move in now to memory and talk a little bit about, well, nostalgia or sentiment or do you use memory a lot in your poetry?
1: I think that it's something that you kind of naturally do. You know, even talking about the folklore and mythology, there's a kind of cultural memory. Yeah. And your kind of memory of experience, lived experience, inherited experience, that inevitably comes through in everything that you write.
0: Yes. Uh, Whether
1: it's tinged with nostalgia or whether you're kind of rallying against it. Yes. So, yeah, I think memory is an essential part of poetry. I think you've condensed it down quite well with memory, observation and imagination. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I've got a terrible memory. I always have done, actually. So I very rarely consciously write from memory, Mm. but presumably I do. But I just don't remember very much. My Mm. brain seems only to be able to cope with the present, really.
1: Yeah.
0: And the odd catastrophising about the future. Mm. But here is a memory poem from the Black Bow anthology. Do you want to read this or shall I read it? Go on, you read this one. Okay. I don't tell anyone I do this but. I hold something back every year after burial. Boxes return to attic's dust, their sparkle now shadow. I hold something back from distance. Something so small, a simple thing. Like I held your scent, the caress of your palm. On my chest, your breath on my skin when you were my being. I hold something back every year. An old ornament to pull out from the jacket of January to remind me that we're circular, that snow falls but the sun melts. I hold something back every year, after the burial, something simple, to recall how we once hung Holly with hope. Hmm. What do you reckon to that? I
1: think it's, again, it's obviously about personal memory, but it's also... About holding on to the hope of getting through winter each year. Yes, yes. You know, again, the bauble, some beacon of of that this time will pass and that the sun will come out again.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. I love this poem because it's written in very direct, simple language. Mm. So it almost sounds like conversation. But... Somehow you've no doubt at all this is about a person who meant a great deal. It's not fakey at all, this. It's really thought through, isn't it?
1: And you can hear when you're reading it as well, you say the line, I hold something back, and then you feel like you're holding that before you move on to the next.
0: Yeah, it's actually very cleverly constructed, Mm. I think. So we'll get a copy of that to show everybody on the site. So that's by Damien B. Donnelly who is also an editor, assistant editor, of Black Bow Poetry. OK, should we move now then? If we're talking about nostalgia, we've included Dylan Thomas here because although A Child's Christmas in Wales is not a poem, it is so well known and the language is poetic that I, I thought really we could have missed him out
1: So I'm going to read a little extract from A Child's Christmas in Wales by Dylan Thomas, and you'll probably know this already because it's a classic, but kind of his memories and recollections from childhood about Christmas spent with his family and friends. Nobody could have had a noisier Christmas Eve, and when the firemen turned off the hose and were standing in the wet, smoky room... Jim's aunt, Mrs. Protheroe, came downstairs and peered in at them. Jim and I waited, very quietly, to hear what she would say to them. She said the right thing, always. She looked at the three tall firemen in their shining helmets, standing among the smoke and cinders and dissolving snowballs, and she said, Would you like anything to
0: read? <laughs> I love that. I love it. Because, yeah. <laughs> of course, we all think she's going to say, Would you like anything to eat? Yeah. <laughs> Marvelous. Yeah. Great. So, we should talk about the other big Thomas beast of poetry now, R.S. Thomas. Yeah. Who, quite surprisingly, I think, has written lots of small poems about Christmas.
1: Yeah. Quite a contrast from um, Dylan Thomas.
0: Yes. I mean, this is. If we find A Child's Christmas in Wales sentimental or cloyingly nostalgic Mm -hmm. in any way, then a good shot of R.S. Thomas will put us straight on that.
1: I'm not sure. I, I find, like, if you can't be nostalgic at Christmas, when can you be?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He's also written A Winter's Tale, Dylan Thomas, a poem, and it's similar use of language. It's Imagery upon imagery upon imagery. It's like putting on extra jumpers. It's yes. kind like of snugly and
0: yeah, immersing yourself in it really. So sort of yeah. totally, yeah.
1: Do you want to read any of that? And the stars falling cold, and the smell of hay in the snow, and the far owl warning the, among the folds, and the frozen hold flocked with the sheep. So it's and and yeah, and. There's yeah, more yeah. and more and more. It's just you wallow in it.
0: Yeah. Would you you like to read an R.S. Thomas? Shall we do one each, Emma? Yep.
1: Lost Christmas. He is alone. It is Christmas. Up the hill go three trees, the three kings. There is a star also over the dark manger. But where is the child? Pity him. He has come far like the trees, matching their patience with his but the mind was before him on the long road. The manger is empty.
0: Wow. I mean, the more I read R.S. Thomas, the more I think his imagination was extraordinary, actually, because that's yeah. such a sort of powerful trope. Yeah. The child not being there.
1: Yeah. Uh, very. It's stark, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah,
0: it's stark and it's kind of... Grim and confrontational. Yeah. And how does it reflect on his own relationship with Christianity? He's a practicing clergyman, amazing, really. Mm. Very questioning. Very
1: questioning,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are a couple of other poems where there's The Child Is Missing again, Mm. but this one is very stark. So I'll read Christmas Eve now. This comes with a warning. This is not merry. So Christmas Eve. Erect capital's arch, decorated with the gilt edge of the moon. Pave the way to it with checks and with credit. It is still not high enough for the child to pass under, who comes to us this midnight, invisible as radiation. That is such a sort of harbinger. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, that was in 1995. Yeah. And I think there's sentiment in there that a lot of people feel now, actually. Yeah. Christmas is, you are going through capitalism's arch mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And the child is coming to us, invisible as radiation. Mm. This is not a good child. No. This is a child that can cause absolute mayhem. Yeah. He, he was a remarkable poet. He wasn't was,
1: he? I think, you know, even if whatever you, you th- believe as an individual person, you can't help but admire the kind of direct getting right to the point. You know, he yeah. there's no there's no woolly jumpers in this.
0: This is no, absolutely, and I know people like to compare Dylan Thomas and R.S. Thomas a lot, but they were very different and they brought very different things didn't they and I think R.S. Thomas's ideas are extraordinary Mm. actually Um, and of course Dylan Thomas's use of language is right well we've got another episode coming up on R.S. Thomas so that's so that's something for you to look forward to if you like him but interesting in the Saren collection in Wales there are some quite sceptical poems in there
1: Um, This is an extract from An Adult's Christmas in Wales by Stuart Nolan, and it appears in the book Christmas in Wales. 295 cigarettes, 5 cigars, 12 games pool, 1-6, lost 5, 1 void, 4 games dominoes, 1-1, lost 3, 1 game darts, abandoned, 1 game piggy in the middle with full beer can, unremembered. 12 plays jukebox, four plays bandit, unsuccessful, three vomits, one blackout, duration two hours, one successful adultery, five attempted adulteries, three fights, undefeated. Well, it's a time for kids, isn't it?
0: (laughs) I love that. I mean, that so sums up Christmas in yeah. Camarthen where yeah. I grew up three fights or one adultery yeah. three vomits fantastic it's it's very funny
1: absolutely that's
0: a good yeah. antidote to it all actually in that book there's a poem about my school the primary and junior school I went to yeah in Camarthen which is called Pentroporth, and was raised to the ground it was mm. a, a very huge Victorian brick building and it looked did look like a giant gingerbread house you know mixed with Hogwarts really Mm. and somebody's written a poem about that which is quite nostalgic but I did enjoy it.
1: But even that you know there's no getting away from it at Christmas even that so unsentimental so kind of real you just think partridge in a pear tree. You're You're always taken back to this kind of
0: That's right. Memory
1: and nostalgia.
0: Yeah, we've got Mm. echoes, haven't we, all the time of, which kind of anchor us in our interpretation of it. Okay, shall we move on now then to the climate and Wales in the winter? And there is a lot of poetry around about this, but I know you've picked... One by Menna Elvin, who you know and translate for sometimes.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to read it in English. So this is the translation of the original Welsh. Yeah. And it's Snow by Menna Elvin. Mountain snow. It's motherhood minus arms. Trainers underfoot. Children's feet on earth. Snowdrift. A pile of unposted letters cooling into yesterday. Snow bunting, claw prints begging, snow on mountain gorse full of starch, mountain snow with no mares galloping, mountain snow becoming a wordless language, show on blackthorn without a bud, snow in a shelter enamel flavoured, snow on fingers, two hands pleading, snow as a love messenger, no room, no lodging, Snow on the slope, Loveless and dissolving.
0: Oh, that's a good line, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Loveless and dissolving. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about Mena Elvin? Because I feel very much we don't hear many Welsh women poets' voices because of the dominance of the Thomas boys.
1: Yeah, she's described as the most prominent Welsh language poet writing today. And I think that... This is obviously a translation of her writing, but she kind of writes very sensitively, and often with, in the original Welsh, at least that I've seen, just with hidden undertones that you have to pick out. And this this poem in particular has stood out for me because it's again it's this I feel like it's snow on snow on snow, yeah. the kind of relentlessness of winter, but it's also it's stark again, and it's it's beautiful. You know, the individual images stand out against the whiteness and the all-encompassing snow, the black thorn, and the idea of gorse being full of starch. The the potential to move through this.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's great delicacy, I think, mm. in this writing. Yeah. This is not sentimental at all. It no. moves towards something that's in a way quite merciless. Yeah. And I think we're all becoming aware of how merciless the weather can be. Yeah. We've contributed to this, but it is becoming merciless. Yeah. And that loveless and dissolving is... Yeah. You know, that's very strong, Mm. isn't it? Okay, so I've got another one. And this is obviously the section of the show where Emma and I show how well-connected we are. Because I know Cathy Miles, who wrote this poem... And I am lucky enough to be in a poetry group with her from the Poetry Society of Stanza. And she's won lots of awards and she is a pretty amazing poet. So this is Hibernation. With winter snarling at our ankles, we stocked up light, stoked the days to kindle, cold mornings into flame. Wore fur like hair shirts, huddled in deep caves, Moonlighting from this hibernation for scraps of summer memories to light the waning fire. And as snow glazed the world to white, we snuggled down, slept in a wrap of ice, not knowing centuries would pass before it melted. What do you reckon to that?
1: Yeah. Again, it's... The imagery is beautiful, haunting. Yeah. And, you know, it comes back to the Mary Lloyd in some ways for me with the kind of the winter snarling at our ankles, that kind of snapping at you. Yeah. Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful poem but not without a feeling of tragedy either. And yes, and, yes, yeah. And longing for something.
0: Yeah, yeah. And people going into this state of hibernation, yeah. not knowing they were going to be held there for no. an awfully long time. It's a time-travelling poem, really. Yeah. I always like those.
1: And sometimes I feel that's like what winter is. We're kind of suspended in this, trying to make the best of it, decorate it, make it warm, yes. make it colourful, shiny. Yes. Because we don't want to be suspended in it forever. We're yes. trying to find our way out.
0: Yes, yeah. And I think that's very interesting at the current time. Because as you and I were chatting before we started recording this, people feel through lockdown that their lives have been suspended anyway. Yeah. And now I suppose we're trying hard to celebrate not being suspended, but we might be suspended again. Yeah. And the weather is probably not helping us in some ways. No. We There is some suspension inevitably involved. Gosh. Poetry of suspension, now that's a new genre. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything else to say about any of that? Uh, our little journey around folklore, around nostalgia and memory and, and our wonderful winter landscapes in Wales. Shall we move on then to what we've created? Yes. And do you want to introduce your poem and give us a little bit of background to it? Please. Okay.
1: So, my poem comes back to the idea of folklore and mythology and this tradition of hunt the wren, which is again when people went from house to house, carrying a long pole with like a a birdcage on the end of it, where they had a wren that they'd caught and would just go around singing songs. And for me, that encapsulated what we've been talking about this whole time about life being captured in a place Mm. and how we kind of make a big song and dance trying to celebrate this time. And I started thinking about how the wren, this tiny little bird, Encapsulated all life trapped over winter and yes um, yes the kind of panic and flurry of of trying to make the best of it
0: yeah and escape yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what got me going yeah okay let's hear it
1: hunt the wren let's put it in a box this tiny thing this bone this beak this feather this wing this grit this voice this light this flight this panic of life kept swaddled up tight in a rainbow of ribbons, a shower of stars, a warm winter wassail dissolving the shards that pierce all resolve and sear in reverse, form crystals in blood cells dividing to fear. It hardens to diamond, ground down to dust, a snowflake settle and ice to a crust. It levels the land in silent perfection, but the song of the Wren breaks out, resurrection.
0: Fabulous. And... Very rare for you, rhyme. Fantastic rhythm, which you always have, but rhyme as well.
1: Yeah, I felt like um, rhyme is used quite a lot in our collective memory of poetry, you know, the Mm. night before Christmas thing. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, it was my little nod to nostalgia.
0: Yeah, it's really good. And it's laid out in a very interesting way. And again, listeners, if you would like to see Emma's poem... We'll have it up on the website and on social media so people can see how it sounds on the page. That is great. I love it.
1: Can we hear your response, Poem? Yes. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes.
0: Though? So I wrote this on Friday night, which was extremely stormy here. And I'm very interested in sort of paranoia and people watching each other and bad things like that. I started to think about what it would be like if the Mari really returned and what would they do. And I have to say, this is quite an attractive proposition to me. It could be something to do in the middle of Pembrokeshire during the winter months. So this is called The Return of the Mari and it is very much based on the Werner Watkins extract that I read earlier. World end, world end, world end, world end. Listen to the blast and the blow. Yes, you'll say you deserve such a pile, but we've been watching you for a while. Gas guzzler, lights on, fast food in hot tub, emit and kill between here and golf club. We've no choice now but to fight tribe with tribe, though we don't like such a threatening vibe. Our horse heads are ready, our rat bags full, we're here to evict you. It's push now, not pull. World end, world end, world end, world end. Listen to the blast and the blow.
1: That is just—it's not—it's not nostalgic at all. No, it's, not.
0: it's really menacing um, and evil. It's menacing.
1: I, I love it. The, again, it's that. Well, we've seen it through quite a few of the poems—the repetition, the relentlessness of the kind of world end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no uh, there's no um there's no January in your poem it's like no. it's ended. yeah you're <laughs> it's stuck done. at yeah. the end of December
0: you're never going to get out of it <laughs> we've these... really
1: cheered everyone yeah. up. Christmas these Mari's <laughs> are going to get
0: you <laughs> yeah. they're lurking in the Pembrokeshire trees yeah okay great well I think we've certainly been inspired by these great collections and the theme of Christmas I thought we should leave the last word to Dylan Thomas should we, should we split the reading of this? Yeah. This is another little extract from Child's Christmas in Wales uh, to end up, up this episode. If you've got any wonderful Welsh poems and you'd like to send them over, we would love to see them. And thanks for listening to this episode. A poetry Christmas in Wales. <laughs> OK, here's Dylan Thomas once more. Auntie Hannah, who had got on to the parsnip wine, sang a song about bleeding hearts and death, and then another, in which she said her heart was like a bird's nest. And then everybody laughed again, and then I went to bed.
1: Looking through my bedroom window, out into the moonlight and the unending smoke-coloured snow, I could see the lights in the windows of all the other houses on our hill and hear the music rising from them up the long, steadily falling night. I turned the gas down. I got into bed. I said some words to the close and holy darkness, and then I slept.
0: Thank you, Dylan Thomas. Thank you, Emma. Maduli Clowin to you all.